Welcome to the School of Sheen podcast. The School of Sheen podcast is a Perusia podcast series where we join Sheen expert Alan Smith of Bishop Sheen today to delve into the writings and wisdom of the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen with host Matthew Herman Tade. In episode five, we discuss the anthology, The Seven Last Words of Christ Explained a collection of nine of Sheen's books published by Alan Smith. The School of Sheen podcast is recorded online with a live audience. To be part of the live online audience during these recordings and to interact in the private Q&A sessions that follow, please join the Perusia mailing list by visiting perusiamedia.com and clicking on mailing list to enter your details so we can email you the links. Perusia podcast is produced in partnership with EWTN Asia Pacific and Voice of Charity Radio Australia. Hello and welcome to the School of Sheen podcast. My name is Matthew Herman Taig on behalf of the Australian Apostolate Perusia. And I'm here with a good friend and Perusia partner from Bishop Sheen today, Alan Smith. Alan, how are you today? Matthew, I am well. I am living. I am breathing. I'm glad to uh, be a part of the Catholic Church as a, you know, a member in good standing, I like to always say. Um, but I'm a child of God, and I'm grateful to be baptized in the church and, of course, uh, the other sacraments. So uh, I'm pumped today. I'm feeling good. I want to share the love, share the faith, and, of course, share the wit and the wisdom of the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, most excellent news. And of course, uh, I am uh, starting to feel a little better myself, as many of uh, the School of Shame podcast fans will know that I've been through quite a rough period recently uh, with uh, renovation woes and technological issues. Uh, and then the, the icing of the cake and insult to injury was, of course, contracting COVID and getting hit quite hard. But uh, I'm almost back to normal. And so the School of Sheen podcast is back. Uh, now, as uh, many of our listeners know, uh, the School of Sheen podcast took a break during Lent, uh, officially. However, uh, it was then the School of Sheen who that, uh, that did a, a meeting every single week, and we went through nine of Sheen's books uh, for Lent 2022. So uh, we are meeting today just to do a little bit of a review of what we did in Lent as our official School of Sheen podcast. Of course, we will revisit those nine books as part of the official School of Sheen podcast over the coming years, Alan. <laughs> Very good. And, and, you know, I think people always ask me, uh, how many books did uh, Archbishop Sheen write? And I say, well, I always say that he wrote 66 books. Um, some people say it's 90, some people even more than that. But like, there's 66 books that I know of. And there's other books that have been put together, collections, everybody's got their a day uh, with Sheen. It's, um, it seems to be popular. I know um, Matthew Kelly has just released a book, uh, just giving a daily meditation of Sheen's writings. Um, I've put together a few books myself over the years. So um, it's one of these things, people like Sheen in bite-sized pieces. And um, again, I think he's one of the most quotable uh, figures uh, on 
social media. I mean, there's not a day that goes by where I don't see a Sheen quote on Facebook, Twitter, someone talking about him on YouTube. Uh, he's everywhere. And so it's great that we're still talking about him today. And today we're going to talk about the book that I put together that was featured on the uh, Perusia Lenten pilgrimage. And it was the book, uh, The Seven Last Words of Christ Explained. And uh, I actually put this together for uh, Perusia and um, because people were looking for, um, uh, yeah, I want to just say um, uh, all in one book. Um, yes, little books are great and they're nice and everything like that. But some people just say, do you have like a, a complete set, like a whole series? And could you put it into a easy readable uh, format? And I did. And so this was created and simply I thought, let's title it the seven last words of Christ explained because uh, who does it better than Fulton Sheen when he explains the seven last words. And so uh, we're going to just kind of go through some of the highlights of this book, how it's set up, what people can expect. And we've had many people purchase this book now that Lent is over. <laughs> they mm -hmm. almost uh, have a little bit of a remorse saying, wow, I missed that beautiful series. And I know you were meeting every week. And my friend was reading a passage every day uh, for 54 days, of course, because it was, of course, the time of Lent. But we even went into the Easter octave with a little bit of reading after that. So um, again, there was a lot in it. It was easy to do. And everybody um, you know, said they got it done from cover to cover. Uh, you know, if you just dedicate 15 minutes a day to spiritual reading, it's amazing what you can get done. So uh, this book was read by hundreds of people. And of course, uh, I think hundreds more will read it uh, even after Lent, because it's not just a Lenten book. Um, it's a book for all year, because Fulton Sheen tackles uh, the issues that we need to address in our lives. He talks about the seven deadly sins and how to overcome them. Uh, he talks about how to practice virtue. He, he talks about how to deal with difficult people and to um, just understand the world. So uh, there's a lot in here. So we'll just kind of touch base on how Sheen delivered these messages over the years. And that's how I put them in the order of this book. I delivered them as Fulton Sheen delivered them. So uh, they're in a chronological order, actually, but I'll explain his wisdom of how he did that and why this book makes sense. So uh, again, uh, thank you for joining us tonight, all the people that are in the uh, chat and watching live and many of you who are watching um, again on the podcast. So uh, thanks for being a part of the School of Shane. And uh, this is one of the things you've touched on, you know, one of the things that uh, that has really come to my mind as I've started reading Sheen, but particularly with the seven last words, uh, he really is a saint for our times, isn't it? So uh, if you're someone like myself who struggles with sin, uh, then Sheen is really going to uh, punch you in the stomach. He's going to make, make it clear to you. He's going to really let you have it. And then... At the same time, he's also going to build you up and he's going to offer you the antidote to sin. And he's he's basically giving you a, a program for sanctity, isn't he, Alan? He, he really is. And, and so I'll start off with what I call the basis of the program. And the basis of the program is the cross. Um, I always like to say to people, you know, where has the crucifix gone in your life? Um, I know I'm a cradle Catholic, and so uh, I grew up, and there was a crucifix in every room of our house. 
Um, when I went to school, every classroom had a crucifix in it. Um, even many of the public office buildings had a crucifix. Um, it was everywhere, it seemed, uh, in my childhood. And over the years, the crucifixes have kind of disappeared. And Fulton Sheen knew that. He knew that the cross was always going to be under attack. Uh, we hear people all the time saying, oh, please don't wear a crucifix. It offends me. And you'd say, offends you? What do you mean? And what Fulton Sheen would um, make clear is that people are offended by the crucifix because it was our sin that put our Lord on the cross. And so people attach the guilt of their sin to this act of love. And so it stirs their heart and they become unsettled. And so uh, Fulton Sheen said, there's two types of people in the world. Those who are brave enough to look at a crucifix and accept it. And those who look at a crucifix and cower and run away. And so Fulton Sheen wants to give us a cross. He wants to put a crucifix on our desk. He wants us to start to meditate on the cross. And especially the seven last words that our blessed Lord spoke from the cross. And uh, Fulton Sheen would unpackage it and say, it's the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher of all history, uh, the dying Christ. And these are the words of a dying man uh, who loves you. And so think about these words, meditate on these words, and I'll explain what these words are. And um, it'll just be a great opening um, you know, commentary. Uh, the seven last words are simply, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This day you'll be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son, and to the apostle he loved, behold your mother. The fourth word is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fifth is, I thirst. The sixth word from the cross is, it is finished. And the seventh word is, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. So those are the seven last words. And these are what I'd like to call the seven statements. Uh, that's what our Protestant friends call them. But yet they are uh, an opportunity for us to draw closer to the Lord and to use these seven last words in what I like to say nine different ways. Um, and that's what we're going to kind of unpackage a little bit today. You're going to see how Fulton Sheen, year after year after year, took this sermon of the seven last words and then said, let's apply it to the Our Father. Let's apply the seven last words to the Mass. Let's apply the seven last words to the Beatitudes. Let's apply the seven last words to the seven deadly sins, and then the virtues, and then the Blessed Virgin Mary. So every year, he just kept saying, we're going to review this talk, but I'm going to show you how you can make the cross a part of your life, but in a beautiful way. He wanted everyone to meditate on the seven last words every day. And in fact, he challenged people to listen to our Lord, speak to them, even when they're doing their... Um, I want to just say their uh, examination conscience at night, um, you know, kind of review the seven last words and see how they apply. So I think for those who participated in the Lenten pilgrimage, they started to hear these seven last words every day. And by the end of the Lenten series, they were saying, I know that talk. I know that sermon. And now it means something to me. So when they go to mass, they see Calvary reenacted and they know the seven last words. When they pray the Our Father, they think of the seven parts of the Our Father and the seven last words. 
and so many other things. So that's the beauty of that. So we start with the cross. And then, of course, we attach these different things to it. And of course, uh, we're all trying to become saints. And I think Fulton Sheen is pretty good at helping people to become saints. And so uh, we'll kind of go through his methodology here now um, as we continue this series. So uh, Matthew, I know that you had a chance to read a number of the passages. And mm -hmm. of course, many of our participants who are here in the uh, Zoom chat today, um, of course, enjoyed uh, being um, schooled by Sheen. Yes. And so um, anyway, but uh, we'll kind of uh, go through uh, this chronologically so people can understand. Uh, for those who want to join and start to read the book uh, now, even though that Lent is over, uh, this is what they can expect. So we'll, we'll do that together. But I didn't know if there was something, uh, Matthew, that's uh, again, really impressed you, of course, uh, as you are in what I call the afterglow of the Lenten pilgrimage, are you still working on certain things that uh, Sheen brought to your attention? Oh, yes. And uh, I'm, I'm often reminded of, uh, of uh, one of the prophecies of St. Louis de Montfort that I read in, um, I, I think it may have been True Devotion, it could have been Friends of the Cross, uh, where he said, in the last days, God will raise up great saints who will tower above previous saints, like the cedars of Lebanon towering over small shrubs. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that we are in the last times or the last days right now, but I know there are many out there who are. And so this is a good reminder to us that the church is here to make us saints. And if we so choose, we can become great saints. And that is actually what God is calling us to do. And what has really struck me is that Fulton Sheen, uh, the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, is a guide on the road to sanctity. And so he's, he's come up very high on my list when it comes to my spiritual life and the pursuit of virtue. And uh, as, I've, uh, as many people know, you know, my own story is one from you know, addiction and deep sin to now pursuing virtue because virtue is the antidote to vice. And I just love that Fulton Sheen is, is talking a lot about the virtues as the antidote to vice, but he's also making it very clear what the vice is. You know, the first step to defeating sin is to name it. And Fulton Sheen is very good at doing that. Right. Uh, Fulton Sheen was big on having all of us aspire to personal holiness. Mm -hmm. uh, we think of that scripture uh, that our Lord said, become holy as the father is holy, like mm -hmm. be perfect as God is perfect. So mm. uh, there's that encouragement to say, you know, get holy, mm -hmm. <laughs> get holy. And I think that's when we struggle, we say, oh, I wish I was just um, a bit holier. I wish I had mm -hmm. kind of um, improved my prayer life and other things. And so um, mm. again, this is what Fulton Sheen did year after year after year. He yeah. was like that good parish priest that said, okay, I'll give him a lesson this year. And then I'm going to follow it up next year with something else and follow it up the year after and follow it up the year after. And uh, again, it's just these building blocks. And it wasn't something if you missed a lesson, you were left behind. No, you could always catch up and make sense of it. And um, again, sometimes, you know, he'd be speaking to this group, but the other group would just say, you know, I'll have my turn too. And so uh, it was all good. Uh, but, you know, I think Fulton Sheen began uh, again, being recognized for the seven last words in 1933. Um, even though Fulton Sheen has been known to uh, give addresses on the seven last words for 58 consecutive years, 
Uh, he did it every year. And of course, thousands of people uh, would uh, buy tickets to attend his Good Friday addresses. And um, again, he was well known and they'd put the loudspeakers out into the streets so people could just line the streets and listen to his uh, talks, his meditations. But in 1933, it's kind of when he uh, really, I don't want to say hit the stage, but uh, people started to pay attention to his addresses. And his 1933 Good Friday Address, simply entitled The Seven Last Words, uh, was uh, a one-hour reflection where he truly just unpackaged the seven last words in a way that people could understand. Um, he wanted to just say, I'm going to give you this talk so that you can think about it, not just on Good Friday, but every day of the year. And that whole idea of, you know, what does it mean when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's saying to us, God will forgive you, and now you have to forgive others. You know, what does he mean when he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise? He's giving the good thief hope, and he's asking you to be a people of hope to hope in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, be like the good thief. We're all sinners. We're all there, but yet we can be saved. And even many of us can be last minute um, uh, <laughs> saints uh, going to the Lord at the end of our life. So there's hope. He gives us these words of encouragement to go to the Blessed Virgin Mary, to really accept her as our mother. And that great gift that he gave us at the foot of the cross when he said, woman, behold your son. And to the apostle of behold your mother. So go to Mary, go to Mary. Uh, those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Trust in the Lord. Know that there'll be dark days. Know that there'll be trouble, but good things are going to happen. Be faithful to the end. Stay on the cross. Suffer with the Lord. And uh, yet you will be in paradise. It may take a little while, but still trust in the Lord. Uh, the words, I thirst. Do we thirst for the Lord? Because he's always thirsting for us. Are we thirsting for him? And so that little beck and call from Jesus to say, come to me. Come to me, all you who are heavy and laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will refresh you. So that beautiful call. Uh, the words, it is finished, you know, that we just have to keep working and get it done. And, uh, you know, just keep working to the end. Try to save your soul, but never give up. And of course, those words, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Fulton Sheen is saying, everybody, give your will over to God. Unite your will to his will. You can do this. And the more you unite your will to his, the happier will be. Because you'll know truly, yes, I was made for one reason alone. To know God, to love him, to serve him, to be happy with him, with him in this life and the life to come. That's what the catechism says now. It's more than one thing, but still <laughs> that whole mission. But you can see how in just yeah. a minute or two here, I was able to just say, here's the seven last words. Here's the Cole's notes. Here's the quick summary. But now you could see he got the world's attention. And after that 1933 Good Friday address, people just said, I can't wait till next year to see what he's going to say, because he's got me falling in love with Jesus and trusting in Jesus, because what a good priest does is a priest brings Jesus to the people, and of course, in turn, brings the people to Jesus, and he was doing that in 1933, and so uh, again, uh, people just started to line up and say, I trust you, Fulton Sheen. Um, I'm getting to trust 
your wisdom and uh, your words of encouragement. And uh, so after that, um, of course, in 1935, uh, many people knew that uh, Sheen was going to talk about prayer. And so he started with the Our Father. And he said, okay, now I want to give you an address that's going to uh, make the Our Father come alive for you. Because he knew that people sometimes just rattled off the Our Father. I mean, I'm guilty. I'll be sometimes just saying, Our Father, why didn't I mean, like, I mean, I'm not there. I'm saying the Our Father, but I'm not praying the Our Father. And Fulton Jean wanted to give us something to say, okay, I want you to go deeper. I want you, when you pray the Our Father, to think of God's great love of him on the cross, and we're going to connect the two. And he did this in a very amazing fashion. And, you know, I'll just connect the dots here quickly. And you can see by this that Fulton Sheen um, is a show-off. And he's not a show-off, but he's saying God is a show-off because God is a God of order. And, you know, when these connect, um, it connects because God um, is trying to get us to heaven. And everything goes through the cross. There's many great saints that talk about it, that everything has to go through the cross. And we think of the power of the cross. And so even the Our Father will go through the cross and um, bring us to um, God. And so we think of that, um, the seven petitions of the Our Father and the seven last words. And so the first petition is Our Father who art in heaven. And yet Fulton Sheens has now listened to the first word from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you can see again, Our Father, Father, forgive. So we begin with the Father, and uh, we acknowledge the Father, because, because Jesus points to the Father. And so that's what we need to do. We need to point to the Father. And so we think of the second petition uh, of the Our Father, hallowed be thy name. And then you think of the good thief, and the second word from the cross, and how the good thief said, blessed be Jesus, hallowed be your name. You are the Christ. You're the one. He sees Jesus as who he is, Savior, and of course, hopes in him and asked him to remember him. But again, he, his name was hallowed. He was recognized Jesus as Lord. And this is what we need to do. We need to praise the Lord. Holy be his name, because it is the name above all other names. It's the name that saves. And the good thief knew that. And we need to get to know that. We need to be reminded. But Fulton Sheen reminds us through the second word of the cross and the second petition of the Our Father. He continues, and the third petition of the Our Father is, thy kingdom come. And uh, of course, the third word from the cross is the words addressing the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, you know, woman, behold your son, and to the apostle, behold your mother. So thy kingdom come. Well, if it wasn't for the Blessed Virgin Mary, the kingdom wouldn't come. She said, yes. She said, yes to Jesus, your kingdom come. Be it done to me according to thy word. And so that's the holy example for us. We have to give the same yes that the Blessed Virgin Mary gave, that we have to give the same yes to God. And so again, it's that thy kingdom come. But it is the Blessed Virgin Mary that inspires us, teaches us, um, encourages us to do that. And so you can see already three petitions of the Our Father, the first three words, you can see how they're so connected. 
we think of the fourth petition from the Our Father, thy will be done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yet the fourth word of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, it is the beginning of one of those most beautiful Psalms that begins with despair, but ends with victory. And it's that whole idea of letting thy will be done. Jesus knew it was God's will that he came into this world to die and that in a few moments he was going to breathe his last. But it was God's holy will that he dies because he's the only person in the history of the world that came into this world to die. We all came into this world to live. Our blessed Lord came on this mission to die. But again, it was God's holy will for him to do that. And so he, again, leads by example and says, thy will be done. And of course, we think of that fourth word from the cross. The fifth petition is simply, give us this day our daily bread. And of course, we think of our Lord, I thirst. Um, we need to, of course, um, depend on God to give us our daily bread. And yet Jesus is saying, I will give you your daily bread. Thirst for me, come to me. I have the food from heaven. I've, I gave you the Eucharist on Holy Thursday. Um, I will feed you. Uh, I will not leave you orphan. But it's this whole idea is we go to Jesus, well, then we have our daily bread. And so again, those words, I thirst and give us this day our daily bread, just ring true and just match up so beautifully. Now, the sixth petition of the Our Father is simply, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And those words, it is finished, um, you know, have a lot to say in that uh, our blessed Lord is saying, complete your life, finish well. And sometimes the things that we need to do is say we're sorry. We need to reconcile. We carry old wounds with us through our life. We hold a bunch of unforgiveness and we, we don't let that go. And yet we know that so many diseases and sickness are caused by unforgiveness. And yet Jesus is saying, finish well. Um, he's saying that he's come to the earth and he's finished his mission. He's saying to God, I've done the work you've asked me to do. And so he's asking us to do the same thing, to finish well. And the best way to finish is with a clean and pure heart. And so, of course, this is why it's so important to uh, work on forgiveness and to, uh, and just, of course, ask the Lord to lead the way so that we could finish well. Um, and, you know, we think of this deliver us from all evil, which is the seventh petition of the Our Father. And of course, our Lord says, you know, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Well, the best way to be delivered from evil is to be in heaven. So when we get to heaven, there is no more devil. There is no more evil. And so we have to really keep that as our, our goal, is that we came from heaven, and now our soul will return to heaven. And is that moment that we will be delivered from all evil. So we need to have Kevin as our goal. So uh, there you go. But again, that was his 1935 address, simply the seven last words in the Our Father. And so now when I pray the Our Father, and many of our participants of our Lenten pilgrimage are praying the Our Father, they have the seven last words kind of going through. And again, this great love story and this great prayer, the great prayer that Jesus gave us 
to pray the Our Father. So uh, I tell you, uh, it was very easy for me to put this book together. And because again, the key was to put it together chronologically, because priest again, I mean, Fulton Sheen is this priest giving a lesson plan. And so he introduces the seven last words. And then he gives us another lesson of how the seven last words and the Our Father are just so interconnected. And, you know, it wasn't a surprise that in 1936, the following year, he then took the seven parts of the mass and attached it to the seven last words, because he's saying, okay, the Our Father is a big part of people's life. And the mass is the source and summit of many people's lives. And for some, there's the daily communicants that go every day, but most Catholics go every Sunday. And so we knew that. So we wanted to somehow, again, give them a lesson plan to say, when you go to mass, I want you to think of the seven last words, because it is a great um, sermon of love, of how much God loves you. And again, the words of a dying man, just pleading with his, you know, his sheep, because he is the shepherd to save them. And so, um, again, I would just kind of touch base on those seven parts of the mass and the seven last words. And then of course, take a little break here, <laughs> but uh, again, it's this idea and these are all, it's all in the book and it, it, it's laid out in this, um, uh, you know, formula or this, um, uh, this lesson plan, step by step by step. But, you know, when you go to mass and you think of the seven, um, you know, last words and the mass, you kind of think, okay, what's the first part of mass? Well, it's what we call the confidior or, you know, the time we say we're sorry. And, um, you know, a lot of times we just go, oh, my God, you know, like we 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 just kind of go through the mass and I'm guilty. A lot of times I'm just there. Oh, I've sinned, greatly sinned through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And I ask the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints, you know, I'm just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. But Fulton Sheen is saying, hey, 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 everybody, just slow down, slow down. Take some time here and and really start mm -hmm. to think. When you're doing this part of the mass, when you're asking God to be, to have mercy on you, think of the first word from the cross, father, mm -hmm. forgive them yes. for they know not what they do. Because again, yes. remember the mass is Calvary reenacted. Mm -hmm. So if there's any, any um, uh, lesson plan that's, that's so important, it's mm -hmm. this one, the mm -hmm. mass and the seven last words, because the mass is Calvary reenacted. Yeah. And so that first part of the mass, the confidior, um, mm -hmm. is again, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. Um, cause Alan, so, you, you and Fulton Sheen uh, have reminded us just earlier that the goal is heaven yeah. and all too many of us, you know, joke that we'll be the last one sweeping up purgatory and locking up the doors on our way out. And of course, sin is a military term. It's an archery term to miss the mark. And as you say, Jesus tells us to aim for heaven. If we're only aiming for purgatory, what happens if we miss the mark? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. It's not a good result. Uh, but the mass is where heaven and earth kiss. And so beautiful, reverent, valid liturgies that are done according to the law are actually going to allow us to have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. And this is what um, you know, Pope Pius X was talking about when he first started talking about those words we all know from Vatican II, full conscious active participation. And that's exactly what you and Sheen are talking about now when you come to Mass. Full conscious active participation is not about having jobs to do. 
It's about the interior life and the interior disposition at mass. And that is exactly what you're talking about. Right. And in, in the language I use, um, sometimes people say, well, oh, you're talking about the seven parts of the Latin mass. And, mm -hmm. you know, I like to say to people a lot of times, yes, Latin is a great language. And um, but I say to people that Sheen's writings from 1936 are very much valid and applied to the mass that we all go to today. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, we say confidior, but really it's the part of the mass when we say we're sorry. Um, mm -hmm. When we think of, you know, the sanctus, well, that's the holy, holy, holy. And so, you know, we're going to hear these Latin terms, but I'm going to make it very clear that, you know, to the liturgy that many of us are familiar with, um, it still applies. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we went through the confidior and of course, Father forgive, but the next part of the mass is the offertory. And this is where, of course, Fulton Sheen now directs our attention to the good thief um, and the second word from the cross. But the offertory is, is that the good thief saw that to trust in Jesus. And he actually became what I like to say, the little host being joined to the big host on the Patton. He brought his small cross to join with the big cross of our Lord. And so it's this idea of we learn from the good thief to offer our lives, to offer our intention, because that's what the good thief did. He made an intention. Mm -hmm. He said, please remember me. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And so we too now have to take that opportunity to say, just give our Lord everything. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we just go through the mass and it's the offertory and we think, oh, that's the collection. Okay. Oh, what's the choir is going to sing a song. Um, but are we recollecting and saying, Lord, I want to put this intention on the patent. I want to offer this um, um, desire I have there. Um, Fulton Sheen would say, you know, it's almost like a, a time of exchange. Like, you know, uh, you give me your time, I'll give you my eternity. Um, you know, it's this idea of putting everything on the patent and don't hold anything back. Mm -hmm. Don't like, again, just, just if you're going to ask, ask big and keep asking, yeah. but put it all on there because the good thief was putting everything on the line. Mm -hmm. He realized he was paying a price for a sin. Um, the savior was in front of him and he asked, he put that petition. Uh, he made his offertory. Um, mm -hmm. So we have to, of course, do that too. And so uh, mm -hmm. the next time you go to mass and the offertory is on, remember, this is your chance to um, put the petitions there on the altar because again, uh, Fulton Sheen talks about in the, in the book, The Priest is Not His Own, is that uh, it is what I call Jacob's Ladder. There is this ladder between the like altar it. and going up to heaven. And mm -hmm. so it's this up and down, you know. Mm -hmm. um, again, the Lord will just, again, take up these petitions for us and, mm. of course, send down blessings. So yeah. again... You can and see that can, yeah. what you're talking about right now is is something that I'm constantly learning from the liturgy guys. I mean, you think about it, you know, the, the God of the universe needs nothing. And what do we give him? We give him, you know, this little wafer of bread and, and some water and wine, you know, as a sacrifice. Does he need that? No. What does that symbolize? But the entire universe, we, we're giving God's creation back to him, which includes us. And then think about what he does with that offering you know does he consume it does he keep it no what does he do but return it to us 
infinitely elevated. So imagine putting yourself on the pattern at each and every mass. What's God, God going to do with that? He's going to return you to yourself infinitely elevated. Yes. Yeah, so don't miss that opportunity to oh, put man. everything. Okay, so yeah, we're only down to the second part of the mass. So yes. now there's the third part of the mass, which is the sanctus sanctus or the holy, holy, holy. And, you know, I think a lot of times we go, okay, this is when we're going to kneel down. You know, you're kind of saying, okay, you know, it's almost like changing gears at mass. But really, when you just meditate on what those words are, you know, holy, holy, holy. Uh, of course, Fulton Sheen now says, now let's look at the third word from the cross, which is, again, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Woman, behold your son, and to the apostle you love, behold your mother. What I've learned from Fulton Sheen is that he's saying, if you want to be holy, you need Mary. So if you're trying to be pure, if you're trying to just be honest, if you're trying to become a saint, you're going to need Mary. Because who better to form you in being a Christian than the woman who formed Christ. Um, it's a no-brainer. It's just the way it is. And I'm, I'm saying it um, in a bit of a comical way, being a no-brainer, but in a serious way, I'm really trying to say, if you want to be holy, you need Mary. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear the words, holy, 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 I just quietly just say, Mary, 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 I need you. I need you. Help me, dear mother, to focus on mass to take my salvation seriously, to learn from your son and my Lord. And so again, this call to holiness, we need Mary uh, to do that. So when that part of the mass comes sanctus, 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 or holy, 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 think again, Mary, Mary, Mary. All right. And, what, what is, and what's that line uh, from Shane about, uh, you know, don't do anything that would embarrass your mother is yeah. I, I'm not getting yeah. it exactly uh, right. So you'd better. Say no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you know, don't do anything that your mother would be ashamed of, you there know, you go. but I very think it's helpful in battling sin, isn't it? <laughs> very, very good. Yes. Um, mothers keep us honest a lot of times, you know, so it's, it's very good. All right. Uh, we think of the, now we come to the part of the mass called the consecration. And so you're thinking, okay, what's the connection now with these seven words from the cross? And the fourth word from the cross is when our Lord says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. And it is that moment when really our Lord is offering up the last few drops of his blood. Um, he's getting towards the end of his agony. He's getting towards the end um, of, of offering his life. And of course, this crying out to God. But again, it's this true offering of his heart and his soul. Um, he, of course, was had this abandonment, but because he was abandoned and he knew that people would turn away from the Lord. And he was, of course, just truly offering up his life for them, for all mankind. And I think it's this idea of the consecration. You know, this is my body. This is my blood. And yet the Blessed Virgin Mary is at the foot of the cross she's the only person in history that could say with the Lord, this is my body, this is my blood, because she came from his body, had his DNA, her DNA. And so it's just a beautiful connection. But again, the consecration and the fourth word from the cross, my God, my God. And so it just leads in beautifully, of course, to that part of the mass, which is the Eucharist or communion. And yet, what does our Lord say? I thirst. 
And so, of course, it's this um, communion, this um, uh, this exchange, this you know giving and taking. But and, and Fulton Sheen really kind of warned us and said in very strong language. He said, "Be very careful if you, as a Catholic, just continue to come up in the communion line and receive our Lord and just be a taker, just come mm -hmm. and take." you have to come and give, um, give God an exchange. So as you um, start to go into the line to just wait to receive our Lord, bring to him your intentions again, bring to him your joys and your sorrows and make that exchange um, to say, Lord, I want to receive you, but I want to feed you with my life mm -hmm. and my worship and my um, just my gift to you. And uh, we're not, we don't want to be parasites on the church. We want to have that beautiful exchange. And, and that's what I've learned about with Fulton Sheen's writings is to not waste any Holy communion, but mm -hmm. to truly have that beautiful exchange. Um, yeah. I will, you know, as I said before, you give God your time, he'll give you his eternity. So um, again, these beautiful things to think about but again the communion again is that fifth word from the cross i thirst i thirst he wants to have relationship with us he wants to have a union and that it really when we receive the lord we're truly united with him um, and to him and that he becomes a part of us and we become christ-like and we become that tabernacle so um again it's those words ring true i thirst and um so again it's very appropriate and you see how god is truly saying that Calvary is the mass is Calvary reenacted. So mm -hmm. uh, we have that. And, um, it, it, and as you say, it's truly an exchange of persons. This is something I'm constantly learning from, you know, the likes of Dr. Scott Hahn and Matthew Leonard and the liturgy guys that with uh, uh, the difference between a covenant and a contract is in a contract, you say, this is mine and that is yours. Now this is yours and that is mine. Whereas with a covenant, it's an exchange of persons. It's the making of families. I am yours and you are mine. And we ratify that covenant every single time we take the Eucharist into our own bodies. Right. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this is why the church recommends that we stay for 10 minutes after mass is over to give That's a proper right. thanksgiving. The Lord is with us, you know. And, well, we're living um, tabernacles, aren't we? I mean, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the Eucharist takes maybe up to 20 minutes to dissolve in the stomachs. And the church says that during that time, we are living tabernacles, just as the Blessed Mother was a living tabernacle for the, for the, uh, the 42 weeks that she carried our Lord. Right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I think it, um, you know, if we had that thought in our mind, when we hear the words, and again, the sixth part of the Mass that sheen addresses is in latin it's called ita missa est mm. which means the mass is ended and we hear of course the priest or the deacon say those words the mass is ended now go in peace and usually the automatic car starters are going and of course everybody is just jumping out of the pews and mm -hmm. uh, running down for coffee or running out to the uh, parking lot to chat chat and do these things but yet we just received the lord right so mm. but our, our blessed Lord said in a sixth word from the cross, it is finished. Um, and so it's just appropriate that uh, the mass is ended. Um, so he says, you know, this sacrifice has been completed. And yet the words of Fulton Sheen is that, 
you know, when the priest says the mass is ended, he's saying, go out and love and serve the Lord, uh, glorify the Lord with your life. And so we have to, you know, we, do we take those words of the priest or the deacon to heart mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I'm not, the Lord's work is finished, but my work is not finished because I haven't gone to be with the Lord, but I've got work to do. I've got to save mm -hmm. my soul, help to save others. And, you know, I have a mission. I'm, I'm going out into the mission field. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, go out and love and serve the Lord. And uh, truly, again, hear the words of our Lord echoing in our ears. It is finished. Now you mm -hmm. finish your task. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it is a bit of a battle cry as we head out the doors and mm -hmm. not just say, well, great, I'll see you next week. No, no, no. Uh, we're going out into the mission field. And then we're coming back next week to give God Thanksgiving again for mm -hmm. all the things that happened the week earlier. So uh, so it's it's beautiful there. Now, and, mm -hmm. and of course, the seventh word from the cross when our Lord said, uh, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Um, there is a thing called the last gospel. And so those mm -hmm. people who go to the traditional Latin mass, um, they read the gospel of John and it's that beautiful in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And um, again, it's just one of these things where what it is, is it's this reminder that everything goes full circle, mm -hmm. that in the beginning was God and God came to this world, took on flesh and dwelt among us and went back to heaven. And you too were created by God. Your soul was put into your body and that God willing, that soul will come back to be with God. And so it's that reminder to us that we all are made, that we go back to God. And that, and that is his will, that is his divine will, is that every soul comes back to him. And so that we not be lost, but we do truly return to God. So um, it's that reminder to say, I was made by God for God to be with him for all eternity. So, mm -hmm. uh, so again, that seventh word from the cross and of course, the last gospel makes sense. And so uh, you can see here we are, we're three for three. You know, I know we've got nine books in this uh, book, of course, the seven last words of Christ explained, but you can see right away, Fulton is saying, get the seven last words into your head, into your heart, make it a homily that you can put to memory. And it's pretty easy to put it to memory. And now when you say the Our Father, think of the Lord. When you go to Mass, think of the Lord. And uh, again, this is what Fulton Sheen wants us to do. Think of the Lord, think of the Lord and have the Lord on our mind so that it becomes easier for us as we interact with our family, our coworkers, and maybe even strangers. We can talk about the Lord because the Lord is on our mind and we see what he's doing for us in our lives. And I think sometimes the greatest witnesses are those people who truly love the Lord and say, can I tell you what the Lord's done in my life? wow, he's done this, 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 and this. And you know what? And he did it in my, my dad's life and he's doing it in my neighbor's life and he can do it in your life too. Um, you just have to kind of meet him and invite him into your life. And so, um, and this is why I think Fulton Sheen had hundreds of thousands of souls to his record because he was stirring hearts and he wasn't afraid to say, this friend of mine, Jesus, he can be your friend too and he can change your life. And so, um, Again, quite a great testimony. So, all right. Um, Beautiful. Matthew. Beautiful. Uh, and yeah, just to touch on a, a couple of things you said at the end that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all too easy to hear those words, it is finished, and think, mass is over, ticked the box. 
but as you say, you know, well, no, because what is the purpose of mass but to fuel us and to divinize us in order to go on mission? It is, it is up to us then to go out into the world. And Sheen clearly stands with St. Paul, who says, pray at all times without ceasing. And, and what is prayer but turning our minds and our thoughts to God? And if we're doing that, then we're completing that mission. You know, we have to finish our race, as St. Paul says, our marathon. And we, the, the, the lay people, are actually have the mission of evangelization, not the priests. The priests are there to administer the sacraments and pastoral care and to preach the word to empower us to go out and evangelize the world. So, yeah, Sheen is truly a wonderful guide for our times. Uh, he is the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, so we can pray for his intercession, can't we, Alan? Yes, we can. And, you know, venerable means, you know, worthy of veneration. So mm. uh, we can imitate him too. And, um, mm. you know, and again, I think Fulton Sheen has truly helped me uh, with these uh, teachings to take them into my workplace. And um, there's times and times where, um, you know, I'm a, people who know me know that I'm a village plumber and um, I'm in people's houses fixing their pipes and other things. And yet I take the wisdom of Sheen with me to just either start a conversation or uh, maybe provide some sound advice. And so, um, again, these are all uh, lessons that we can learn that can help others uh, even take Sheen to work with us. So, uh, again, let me share a little bit more here as we go along. And, um, mm -hmm. and again, you can already see with just these first three lessons how they really can impact, um, you know, a Catholic's life because, of course, the prayers, the Mass, and of course, uh, the crucifix and what is contained uh, in this uh, sermon from uh, Mount Calvary. And so when I think about sermons on the Mount, of course, now Sheen wants to bring the Beatitudes up. And because uh, again, that I think of all the scripture passages, people always say, oh, that Sermon on the Mount, uh, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek. We hear that all the time. Like we, we kind of say, if there's any sermon that people might be familiar with yeah that sermon on the mount you know and so i think fulton sheen knew okay i'm going to work on the sermon on the mount now i'm going to get them thinking about the, that sermon and get them thinking about jesus again because i want them now whenever they hear the sermon on the mount that they think about the sermon on mount calvary because mm -hmm. that's what it is his end game is to point to the cross he wants to keep preaching christ and him crucified and so a lot of times the Beatitudes can be uh, twisted, <laughs> what I want to say, and they become the nicey-nicey talk about mm -hmm. being nice and being this and that. But yet our Lord came to bring war. He came to bring the sword. And so uh, he takes the Beatitudes and then brings it back to that great war against the devil, which was that uh, final climbing of Mount Calvary and climbing onto the cross to offer his life. And so uh, let me just show you how Fulton Sheen takes the, the Sermon on the Mount of Mount, um, the Beatitudes and then connects it to the Sermon on Mount Calvary. So, um, okay, so, you know, now he shuffles the deck a little bit and that he doesn't put it in the same order as maybe the Beatitudes are, but he will uh, make it very clear to us. So um, he takes the words, blessed are the meek and then he applies it to the first word from the cross uh father forgive mm -hmm. 
And so you think so beautifully, you have to be very meek and mild to be able to forgive under that great pressure. And some people think that meekness is weakness, uh, but really meekness is self-control. And yet our Lord was meek and mild. And of course he loved us, but again, he had that great fortitude to be able to forgive. And so if you want a holy example of meekness, you go to the cross and you look to the blessed Lord to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now that is true meekness. That is true fortitude. And of course you start to say, oh, wow. I think Fulton Jean's going to take us on a journey here where when we hear the Beatitudes next time, we're going to be thinking the seven last words. And so he ties the words, blessed are the meek, into the words, Father, forgive, for they know not what they do. Uh, he continues and says, uh, blessed are the merciful. And of course, ties in the beautifully the second, last, the second word from the cross, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now talking about mercy, that's the moment of mercy. <laughs> the good thief received divine mercy. He truly was, um, again, just the recipient of mercy. And so, blessed are the merciful, the second word from the cross, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And so you go, Jesus is mercy. <laughs> so there you go. Um, you know, there's the connection. Uh, we continue to move on to the third um, uh, word, you know, and he talks about blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Well, how do you have the clean of heart? You go to Mary. She's that beautiful example. She's truly pure. She's innocent. And she teaches us how to become clean of heart. And so, again, you want to be holy? You need Mary. And so, again, you think of our Lord. And our Lord was truly clean of heart. Uh, he said, I have no sin within me. Uh, you know, he challenged people to say, if I'm at fault, please bring it up to my attention. Because, um, again, our Lord was pure. He was without sin. What does the scripture say? He was like us in all things but sin. Uh, but when it comes to being clean of heart, pure of heart, think of Mary. Think of Mary. So uh, so beautiful, that third word and that beatitude. Uh, we think of the fourth uh, thing he wants to talk about, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, when think of that word, my God, my God, uh, that was his low point. Uh, he was truly poor in spirit. And so, uh, again, you too will be in this journey where you're going to have your dark moments, uh, your dark night of the soul, as Mother Teresa refers to it. Uh, but still, when we think of that, blessed are the poor in spirit, we can easily see the connection there between my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that beautiful beatitude there. Uh, we continue along with the beatitude, blessed are they that hunger and thirst. And yet our Lord says, I thirst. There is someone that just exemplifies so beautifully that beatitude. Uh, we think of the sixth word from the cross and the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers. And Jesus is saying, it is finished. I have brought peace to the world. I have a victory over sin. I've given you now the power over the devil. I've shown you the way. I've given you the example that Jesus is the peacemaker. And he brings uh, peace to the world. Uh, and that's the only place we can find peace is in Jesus. And so, um, again, a beautiful tie into those words. And then lastly, uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Our Lord says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. 
our Lord breathed his last, and many mourned the death of Christ and were worried that this was all that there was. But yet he was true to his promises. He rose from the dead. He returned. And of course, he sent his Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we should be glad. But yet, blessed are those who are mourned, for they shall be comforted. And our Lord comforts us. And so you can see so beautifully how this sermon on the Beatitudes and the sermon on Mount Calvary are connected now. <laughs> now you look at the Beatitudes in a totally different way. And uh, again, there you go. Sheen um, is taking that opportunity during the season of Lent to talk about the Beatitudes and to tie it in to God and, of course, the seven last words. And so uh, he's got us now on the seven last words, the Our Father, the Mass, and now the Beatitudes. And so um, <laughs> you're kind of saying, okay, well, what's he going to do next year? <laughs> what's he going to do next year? And, and, of course, Fulton Sheen, uh, as you follow history, um, he knew that the war was about to um, take place in, of course, Europe. Um, when, you know, war doesn't just happen overnight. It sometimes takes a year or two to lead up to war. And, um, and this is what we find. So uh, in 1938, Fulton Sheen kind of changed gears a little bit and talked about pain and suffering. Um, because he thought, you know what? Uh, I don't think people learned their lesson from World War I and the great suffering and the depression. In the, you know, um, did they really remember you know, and learn from that? Uh, a lot of times prosperity comes to the land and we get soft, we get easy. Um, and so Fulton Sheen said, you know what? I think I'm going to give them a lesson on sorrow and suffering. And so he penned the book, The Rainbow of Sorrows in 1938. And his Lenten series was about sorrow and suffering, because I think he just wanted to kind of wake us up a little bit to say, um, you know what, this is not all about uh, feeling good. And uh, of course, no pain. Uh, no, no, pain and suffering is part of the journey that we have as Christians. And so um, we think of the seven last words and uh, the lessons that Fulton Sheen gave, and he talked about unjust suffering. And of course, everybody says, oh, yeah, there's so much unjust suffering uh, in the world. And yet he says, okay, well, let's talk about that. And how about we look at the first word from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, if there's anybody who suffered unjustly, it was the Lord. So when you start complaining about how you know, you're being misunderstood and how you're suffering a little bit and all oh, things aren't going my way. Take a look at what happened to the Lord. Uh, you want unjust suffering. There you go. And yet he can say, father, forgive them for they know not what they do now there. Uh, it kind of puts this perspective to say, yes, I will suffer, but I have nothing to complain when I look at what he suffered what he suffered so uh that was a beautiful wake-up call to begin lent in 1938 38 to that uh, talk that he gave now the following week he continued and he talked about pain mm. because everybody's kind of saying why me why pain i don't understand pain um and he says okay i'm going to teach you all about pain and it's called the good thief okay uh he's going to be the poster child for pain okay and you're going to understand this because 
what happened to the good thief is he was suffering just immensely. He was crucified on the cross, tortured, um, you know, maybe not as badly as the Lord, but uh, there was a flogging, there was a beating that went with the crucifixion. And so as he was suffering, uh, the scales fell off his eye because he really realized he was paying a price for his sin, um, that the pain he was experiencing was because of his sin. And so pain took on meaning and that he knew then I need to give my pain to someone or to unite my pain with someone. And that's where he found the joy of uniting his pain with Jesus. And um, Fulton Sheen talks about never wasting pain and how every hospital has the beds lined up on two sides of the cross. Mm -hmm. There are those who unite their pain to our blessed Lord and say, Lord, take me up. And there's those like the other thief that say, take me down. And we think of the words of the other thief that said, if you be the Christ, get us down from here um, so that we can go back to our lives and doing what we were doing before. And yet the good thief is saying, Lord, I want to unite my suffering to yours. So take me up, take me up. And so let us not waste an ounce of suffering. And of course, that's the connection there between the second word from the cross and pain. And so Sheen is trying to help everyone who's listening to make sense of pain and to say, when you're questioning pain, go to the cross, look who's at the cross and pay attention to the good thief. You will learn and you'll understand that pain has a, has a meaning. Um, Fulton Sheen would say, Sometimes the pain is the megaphone, <laughs> the <laughs> megaphone to God, you know, uh, little aches or whispers to God, but pain is a megaphone uh, that speaks to God. So it's uh, something there. So anyway, but uh, you can see how he's got everyone's attention already talking about unjust suffering and pain. And then the following week, he talks about the suffering of the innocent. And, and I, I get this all the time. People always say, Oh, how can you, how can there be a God when the innocent suffer? And, you know, like, uh, what kind of God do you serve that they let all these people starve and this and that? I mean, we, we, we hear this commentary all the time, I think. Uh, but it's this whole idea of the suffering of the innocent. And, and God allows the suffering of the innocent. But how you make sense of it is what Fulton Sheen does is he says, can we now spend some time looking upon the person that is at the foot of the cross who is standing there at the foot of the cross actually watching her son die and she had nothing no guilt attached to it she she was the innocent talking about someone suffering who is innocent it was her she didn't deserve any of this she didn't and and our blessed lord could have probably relieved her of uh, her pain and her agony but he willed it that she would be there and of course she watched our her lord and her son our savior die on the cross so when you think about the innocent suffering think of mary um and then it might change your mind a little bit and i think that's what fulton sheen was trying to do um, not deflect things but to point people to her to say she is truly the innocent who mm -hmm. suffered so anytime you see an injustice, um, look to Mary and know that there was the greatest injustice given to her, that she lost her son because of our sin.
And so who are we to complain about the suffering of the unjust? And so um, this is the whole thing, the suffering of the innocent. And um, I think Sheen sobers us up very quickly uh, when we're ready to complain about pain, suffering, unjust suffering, innocent suffering. No, no, go to the cross, look at these first three words, and you'll understand what suffering is and why it has deep meaning. So um, he was really stirring people's souls uh, in 1938 with these reflections. And um, I would tell you that this book that he penned called The Rainbow of Sorrows, um, it's one of my best-selling books. Um, mm -hmm. And I always kind of wondered, um, you know, why no one ever reprinted it. Um, you know, it was from 1938 and no publisher ever reprinted this book. Um, and it sat on the shelf going nowhere. And I understand why, because not everybody wants to say, oh, I want to buy a book on pain and suffering. Um, but yet now in this world with all the war going on, uh, pandemics, suffering, this whole thing, now all of a sudden people are saying, does anybody have a book that kind of explains suffering and why all this thing happens and how I can um, have, find some peace here? Well, go to Fulton Sheen <laughs> and the book, The Rainbow of Sorrow, and there are the answers. And that's what I love, um, again, how people have responded to this book and that they've they said, you know, he had the answer in 1938, but it was hidden for all these years. And so now we've brought it back up. And so it's nice to share that. Um, of course, um, you know, uh, there were other lessons that he gave in that Lenten series. He talks about God and the soul and how, um, you know, the fourth word is really this, this idea that we have to pour our hearts out to God, just as Jesus poured his heart out to God, um, and that we need to cry out to God and have these moments to say, my God, my God, have mercy on me. Uh, my, my, my God, my God, help me. And it is about God and the soul. And Sheen wanted to remind us, remember, everyone has a soul. Uh, the devil would love to think that there is no such thing as soul. There is no such thing as sin. But we have a soul and we can lose our soul. And so let us work at saving our souls. But he really brought to the attention of the people the fact that we have a soul and we have to recognize that and work at saving our soul. Um, he talked about the need for zeal. And uh, again, this little um, reminder that, you know, the lukewarm will be spit out of our, our God's mouth. And, um, you know, it's that what is really hurting us in society is that we lack passion. We lack zeal. We lack this desire to go out and share our faith. And uh, Fulton Sheen saw that even in the late 30s. He knew that people were lukewarm when it came to the faith. Uh, they were starting to fall off. And even though, um, you know, you think that they had these years of prosperity after the war, um, they were just falling into this spiritual sloth. Uh, yet again, he said, you know, you need to have this need for zeal. And of course, the words from the cross, I thirst. It was a battle cry. He was saying, remember, we will continue to go in a downward spiral if we don't have this zeal for the faith. And so the answer is simple. Have the missionary zeal, the church will thrive and survive. Don't have that zeal, and you will then, you know, have despair and havoc. And of course, that's what we see in society today, is that we've kind of lost our zeal for God, the church, 
all things holy. So uh, again, Sheen was giving that warning in 1938. And of course, he reminded us that uh, it's a planned universe. God has planned this all out. It's, um, you know, and of course, he came into the world, um, again, by design, by design, that he came in and took on human flesh and dwelt among us. And God has a plan for each and every one of us. Um, his show was called Your Life is Worth Living. Mm -hmm. And he really wanted us to know that, that your life is worth living, that God has a plan for each and every one of you. And uh, again, work with God, fit into that plan, uh, be that clay. Um, again, Sheen's autobiography was called Treasures in Clay, uh, because he was trying to say, Lord, work with me. Um, you're the potter, I'm the clay, and make me into a beautiful vase um, by the end of this, you know. And so again, it's a planned universe. And he gave a reflection under that title uh, back in 1938. And of course, he finished his Lenten series talking about eternal freedom and how um, the only way we can be free is if we truly give our life to Christ and join with those words of our Lord, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And so uh, again, he took that whole series of the Lenten talks in 1938 to talk about pain, to talk about suffering. And what happens, of course, the following year is that World War II begins. And um, of course, he didn't miss a beat. And he said that in his Lenten addresses, he talked about the seven deadly sins and how there was still hope for mankind in that sin has caused us to enter this world war and yet uh, we can get out of the war if we would just um, turn away from our sin. And of course, um, again, first of all, say to God, we're sorry, but of course, um, make restitution, but also try to amend our life. And uh, Fulton Sheen says, okay, I've got the antidote for the seven deadly sins. Um, you're not going to believe this, but it's the seven last words. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about it for the next seven weeks. And I'm going to help you to overcome the seven deadly sins by just some little tips, some little tricks. And uh, so I'll just do that quickly now. And because um, again, we know the seven deadly sins is the sin of anger, the, the sin of envy, the sin of lust, the sin of, of, of pride, the sin of gluttony, the sin of laziness and the sin of greed. And so you kind of say, okay, um, I know those sins. Sadly, I know them by um, familiarity. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry to say that, but um, again, I don't want them in my life. And so Lord, please help me. And the help is there in the seven last words. And so uh, for people who are having an anger problem, you know, people say I go to an anger management course or <laughs> whatever. And, and many of us st struggle with anger, but yet the first word from the cross is the anger management um, <laughs> lesson number one, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and I think it's important that we remember the second part of that. They don't know what they're doing. And, and this is what Fulton Sheen was saying to us, is that we get really ticked off at our neighbor. I mean, my neighbor drives me crazy, right? But um, I get all crazy about my neighbor. And I tell the story of how he put up a hot tub in his backyard uh, right in front of my daughter's my two teenage daughters window. And I, I had to go over to him and say, uh, can you put a piece of lattice up uh, to kind of cover uh, the activities of your hot tub uh, escapades? So my daughters 
my impressionable daughters don't see what's happening in your backyard. And he kind of gave me this look like, what are you talking about? And, and I kind of said, well, you know, I'm kind of trying to do a bit of morality and, and, you know, innocence and my daughter and he's there. Oh, well, I've never been to church in my life. Uh, my parents never raised me with any Jesus, Mary, Joseph stuff. And then I had to realize, yeah, father, forgive him for he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. My neighbor doesn't know what he's doing. And so yeah. these words really came to the light for me to say, um, remember, forgive him because he doesn't know what he's doing. And also remember that the Lord has forgiven you uh, of great sins too. So don't be too hard on him when really you, you, you got to kind of fess up yourself too and say, you weren't, you're not the perfect model citizen either. So, um, you know, the only way to have mercy shown to you is that you need to show mercy. And of course, this is a rule we know with God is um, we need to forgive so we can be forgiven. And so if you've got an anger problem, go back to that word, Father, forgive, for they know not what they do. And I tell you, uh, many people have overcome the sin of anger just by meditating on that one saying and really pondering to say, yes, God forgives me, so I need to forgive also. And so it's so beautiful. And, um, you know, we think of the sin of envy and how, um, you know, when you look at that interaction between the two thieves, um, you know, it took a while for me to unpackage this to say, what does Sheen mean about the two thieves and the sin of envy? And, And I mean, I've struggled with envy over the years. I'm competitive and, you know, I've been trying to, uh, you know, move up in the, um, you know, I guess you want to just say, um, you know, I want to grow my business. I want to be recognized. I, you know, I'm a radio host. And so I want more listeners and I want to be the top, you know, rated show. And so all these things I've, I've struggled with over the years. And yet Fulton Sheen is saying, hey, let's look at this dynamic of these two thieves. You got this bad thief saying, Jesus, take me down. Uh, like if you're the son of God, use that power of yours and just get us out of here. Mm-hmm. And yet the good thief was saying, uh, brother, do you not fear God? Like, what are you doing? talking to him that way. Like this is God and we deserve our death because of our sins. He's innocent. So um, like, could you just show some respect here? <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. and then of course he went to the Lord and said, remember me, the good thief had no envy in him. He didn't envy Jesus' power. Mm-hmm. He didn't envy any of that. Now the bad thief did. The mm-hmm. bad thief was saying, if you got all that power, like, you know, I, if I had your power, I'd smite mm-hmm. everybody. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I'd drive away in a limo, <laughs> like after this is all done. Um, but, and so the, the bad thief had envy, but the good thief had no envy in him. So, you know, and I, I've learned from the good thief to say, um, how many times do I hear, I might have friends that are chirping and, and giving derogatory terms to the church or the priesthood or whatever. And I never stand up to challenge them. I just let the insults continue to go and go. And yet the good thief, he didn't let the insults go. He, he stopped dead in his tracks and said, do you not fear God? Mm-hmm. Have some respect. And so he kind of leads by example to us to say, uh, I think you need to be humble and also be brave and defend our Lord as the good thief did. So again, he had no envy in him. So look to the good thief if you're struggling with envy and there's the teachable moment there at the cross. And so uh, it really does help a great deal. 
of course, we think of the sin of lust, which of course is the world's gone sex crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, pornography is everywhere uh, in magazines, billboards, television, internet. I mean, it's, it's a dirty, dirty world. And yet mm -hmm. I think, you know, people are looking for help and Fulton yeah. Sheen's saying it's right there and it's her, there in the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and that beautiful words, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Um, we need to go to Mary. I mean, she will help. And again, people who have struggled with addictions uh, to pornography and other things, other vices that, that are similar, um, they talk about Mary was the uh, instrument to help them to overcome uh, much of this. And, um, you know, I say to men uh, all the time at men's conferences, um, when I'm asked to speak, I just say, you know, I want to just give you one tip of advice. I um, let's be like St. John. Let's, let's live this idea that St. John took the Blessed Virgin Mary into his home, that when mm. the crucifixion was over and our Lord was laid in the tomb, John took Mary into his home. And he would have experienced the benefits of having Mary in his life, mm. um, her teaching, her counsel, her love, uh, her purity. Um, mm. It would have affected John. And so we, and again, I say to the men at the men's conference, but I would say the same thing to the ladies at, if I was speaking at a, a woman's conference, take Mary into your home, have her as your protective custody, um, invite her everywhere you go, shopping to the hockey arena, when you're watching TV, when you're sitting in front of the computer, pull a chair up and believe that Mary is with you and she will be your protective custody. Because I know I wouldn't do uh, anything that my mother would be ashamed of if my mother was really with me. Uh, I wouldn't be having six beers with my friends. I'd have one, maybe two, mm -hmm. because I don't want to embarrass my mother. So mm. it's that whole idea of you need Mary in this journey to have, you know, recovery and some victories over impurity. So uh, Fulton Sheen is saying, you struggle with lust, go to Mary, go to Mary. Uh, enough said, like, there you go. And of course, she will work with you because, again, we are her children. And she knows the, um, the cost of sin, and that our Lord became unfleshed for in reparation for the sins of the flesh. All those sins of the flesh that are taking place in the world are the scourges. And of course, our Lord suffered. And so again, when she sees uh, our blessed Lord, all mangled, Again, it is making reparation for the sins of the flesh. So um, hopefully that would move some people. And it has, in some cases, many people look upon the cross and realize my sins of the flesh caused our Lord to be unfleshed. And now they're motivated to say, I don't want that to ever happen again. Mm -hmm. And so they make the, make the move. Um, so again, you struggle with lust, go to Mary, go to Mary. And so it's so beautiful. And, you know, he continues to do that with the other sins, too. Of course, the sin of pride, which, um, sorry to say, it's a big one. It, um, you know, it's, it's the sin that uh, caused Satan to fall from heaven. Mm -hmm. And, of course, our Lord says those words in reparation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he mm -hmm. was um, almost giving a cry out to all the atheists. He was experiencing for those atheists that, um, don't believe, but yet believe. Um, mm -hmm. the, you know, Fulton Sheen would say that atheists 
go to sleep with one eye open because um, they say they don't believe, but they do believe, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and there's, there's some truth to that. And, you know, uh, again, pride takes the form of, um, you know, emotional pride, financial pride, uh, snobbery, uh, intellectual mm -hmm. pride, the know-it-alls, the intelligentsia. Mm -hmm. So um, it takes many forms and yet our Lord and his humility says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, again, and he becomes and he understands what abandonment is. Um, and again, this is what the atheism is. And um, a lot of times this um, sin of pride, especially, is that whole idea of, um, no, we don't need you, God. Um, we're, we're, mm. we're, we're fine without you. Uh, but he made reparation for all those sins of pride. And so just think of our Lord crying out to God, my God, my God. And so um, it is a tough one. And Fulton Sheen says, uh, sometimes you have to walk away from these people. Uh, they're difficult to deal with and let God deal with them directly. Mm -hmm. uh, but pride is a very difficult sin, especially the sin of intellectual pride, mm -hmm. uh, especially. So we'll let us pray for many people who are struggling with that. But um, again, the scales can come off people's eyes and uh, we've seen it over the years. And, um, you know, I think uh, when we think about pride, it is one of these things where, you know, uh, the beginning of wisdom. Um, what did they say? Fear of the Lord mm -hmm. is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so let us pray that people will start to have this holy fear. And we think of when our Lord said those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The lights went out. And talking about moving people, you know, when the world's covered in darkness, um, it, it kind of changes people's attitude. And so I think sometimes you cry out, the lights come back on. And so uh, hopefully, again, people's hearts are stirred uh, in that way. But uh, mm -hmm. again, let us pray for those who are suffering from pride. Um, and again, I think of the sin of gluttony. And just to kind of finish up on these lessons that our um, Fulton Sheen gave in 1939, when the war began, um, again, the sin of gluttony and the words I thirst. And, you know, the gluttony is not just food and drink. Um, for some, it's sports. For some, it's just excessive work. Um, you can just be so uh, focused on things that you forget God. Mm -hmm. And yet he's crying out the beautiful words, I thirst for relationship with you. Mm -hmm. um, but I thirst that you would, um, you know, find that balance. I'll find that holy balance. And, um, you know, again, we're given the virtue of temperance to hopefully offset that. But um, again, this idea of if you're over, if you need to overcome the sin of gluttony, think of our Lord thirsty, starving on the cross for, and, you know, dying for our sins. And so maybe again, that would help curve uh, that passion that you have, because before you're about to go, go in on your fourth helping of chicken wings, or, you know, the uh, three scoops of ice cream instead of one, mm -hmm. the Lord is saying, I thirst, I thirst, and he's making reparation for the sins of gluttony. So uh, a way to think about it and to hopefully curb your appetite. Um, but still, uh, we think of the sin of lust, and we think of the sin of gluttony, and of course, now the sin of laziness. And of course, our Lord gives these beautiful words, it is finished. Um, he's saying, you know, don't be lazy, get things done. And we all suffer from spiritual sloth, especially. Um, some from physical sloth, they're lazy. Um, but a lot of us, it's the spiritual sloth, mm -hmm. not saying our prayers not being faithful to um, the sacraments and going to mass every Sunday. Um, again, the COVID was 
sometimes um, it set people up for a fall in that mm. um, the restrictions were lifted, but they got into this habit of just never going to mass anymore. And they say, man, I'm going to be a bit lazy still here and, mm. and kind of side on this, what I'm used to being a bit um, slothy spiritually. And mm. so um, again, God is calling us to um, do this beautiful thing of finishing your life well. Uh, not dropping the ball when it comes to your prayer life. And of course, uh, trying to save your soul. So uh, if you suffer with the sin of sloth, think of the words, it is finished. I like to say it's like, get it done. Um, just do it. You know, the, you know, all these slogans that we have, but our Lord is saying, get it finished, finish well, you know, finish to the end, run the good fight, uh, you know, run the race and receive the prize. Um, and then again, finish well. And of course, to people who suffer from the sin of greed, um, the beautiful words, um, you know, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And, you know, Fulton Sheen would say that the sin of a young man is lust. And that makes sense. Um, and the sin of a middle-aged man is usually pride and position. Mm -hmm. He's trying to move up the corporate ladder and, and be recognized in society. But the sin of an old man is usually greed. Um, because he's worked hard for everything he has. Um, he sometimes thinks, okay, I've got to make this last and um, I might, you know, live to 120 or, uh, or live forever, but they become greedy, become possessive. And it's just the characteristic that sometimes happens. Now, little children can be greedy too. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just for the elderly that become greedy. Um, it can run throughout society. Mm -hmm. But yet for those who suffer from greed, that battle cry from our Lord, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I unite my will uh, to you. Um, everything I have is yours. Um, this is not my money. This is the money that you've given to me, that you've entrusted to me. And so into your hands, I commend my spirit, my will. And it helps you to free up things uh, because I know we do get attached to possessions. But remember that all of those possessions are gifts from God that he's given us to use wisely here on this earth and to share. And so I think it's that whole idea of uniting our will to God to help us overcome the sin of greed. So again, a kind of a crash course here, but again, mm -hmm. here you go. Boy, those seven last words, they apply to the mass, they apply mm -hmm. to the Beatitudes, they apply to sorrow. And now they even apply to sin. And, and, and he's probably going to do this next year. He's going to talk about virtue <laughs> and, and because, you know, and it was perfect because, you know, in 1939, he wrote about the seven deadly sins. Well, 1940, the war was still on. It was actually intensifying. Yeah. And of course, people were saying, well, now, how are we going to get out of this mess? And of course, Fulton Sheen saying, you need to practice some virtue. I mean, mm -hmm. you got to turn away from sin and you remember, um, war is a punishment from God. Mm -hmm. um, you have to look at the history of Israel and yep. how many times did God discipline Israel? They would, you know, fear God, he would bless them, and then they go their own way. God yep. would have to kind of bring them back and say, okay, send, I'm going to take that away from you. Prophets and say, if yeah. you don't do this, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something. Yeah. And then boom. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. So he's, he's playing back the tapes and saying, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I got the answer for you. Yeah. Fear God, <laughs> be good. 
and okay practice virtue and then you know you're going to see a difference in society you're going to see things but you're also going to become again personal holiness to strive for holiness um and again as you said earlier in your comments uh you know matthew we need to name the sin yes. and then of course we need to practice the virtue as a act of reparation yep. but an act to become holy to become holy yep. and so um so naturally i think we think of okay how is he going to link up these some virtues to these seven last words and uh of course you'll be impressed when we're done here and how they tie in so beautifully so um so you think of the virtue of fortitude mm. and of course how it ties in so beautifully to the first word from the cross uh, and, father and, forgive and fortitude is also what we refer to as courage yeah yes yeah. yes yeah well so think of the courage that our lord had mm. like mm. i mean i would have if 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 i had made it down the via della rosa if i had mm. physically made it and got to calvary i think by then i would have said okay i'm done now <laughs> like i'm done now. <laughs> can i have a volunteer to finish this or whatever because mm. it would just be exhausting and yet he had that fortitude that intestinal fortitude to say no 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 god the father asked me to come and die on the cross to take off take away the sin of the world so I got to get on the cross and continue this um, agony. And so um, this was the fortitude that our Lord showed, the example, and of course, the courage he had. And so we need to learn from the master mm -hmm. to have this courage, even though uh, things are difficult. And, and Shane said, you know, many of us will get down from the cross after one hour, two hours, two hours and 59 minutes. No, no, no. Uh, stay to the end. You need to stay to the end. And so uh, this, of course, is what Fulton Sheen is showing us. You want to practice fortitude? Here's the model. It is Jesus Christ. And those beautiful words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so again, fortitude is something that uh, we don't hear much about today, but it is, it is possible. We can do it. Um, we think of the virtue of hope and how of course, we now go to the good thief and we say, okay, we've been learning from this good thief. We've been learning about this word from the cross. You know, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Well, talking about hope, <laughs> we can be people of hope to know that even the good thief made it to heaven and that even the sinners of today, the thieves of today can still get into heaven just as the first century thieves, um, mm -hmm. you know, could do it but back 2000 years ago. So uh, again, there is hope. And so we need to be people of hope. We think of those virtues of faith, hope, and love. And so uh, again, that virtue of hope with the second word from the cross, um, practicing the virtue of prudence. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is a forgotten virtue. I know mm -hmm. um, I pray all the time, Lord, may I have some prudence here. And, you know, how do you attach prudence into your life? you have to have a good mother because <laughs> the mothers teach us how to be prudent. I mean, mm -hmm. I think my mother would coach us to say, now, when you go out, you got to do this, this, and this. And if you're going to go to this event, this is how you should conduct yourself. And this is what you should do. And so mothers know how to coach children on how to be prudent. You know, this is what you should choose. This is how you should behave. And I think this is what Sheena is saying is go to Mary. If you want help in practicing prudence, uh, learn from her, learn from what Mary did in her life mm -hmm. and how she was praying and waiting upon the Lord 
and she was cherishing all these things in her heart and pondering on them day and night. And uh, so she teaches us how to conduct ourselves. And she truly was prudent. Um, and so we think of that. So go to Mary. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, the word Christian means little Christ. And mm -hmm. how do we become little Christ? Well, we go to Mary to be formed uh, and become little Christ um, because she formed Christ. And of course, our Lord spent 30 years being formed by Mary. Um, before he went out into his public ministry. And so we too can spend years with her too, if we so choose. And so again, the virtue of prudence, we think of Our Lady and the third word from the cross. Uh, naturally, the virtue of faith. Um, again, our Lord cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You could say that is his moment of faith where he had to have faith in God that things were gonna work out. And he did, because the beginning of that psalm begins with despair, but ends in victory. And Amen. so our Lord yeah. in that fourth word is saying, have faith, mm -hmm. have faith. Mm -hmm. And we have to have faith because it is a trying time. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be times where we say, is this faith that we believe in Jesus Christ? Are the sacraments real? Is this real? Um, we all will have our faith tested. And uh, especially if it's met with violence, um, you know, I think of those people that are brave and are, um, think of all the pro-lifers that uh, have uh, prayed outside of abortion clinics and have uh, been physically threatened. Uh, those who, of course, um, just, again, the uprest, the unrest in so many countries, not just America, but all over the world. And yet people have to be strong in their faith and have faith. Uh, that this is a hill worth dying on, um, of course, defending the church and defending our faith. But we need to pray and practice for the virtue of faith. You know, um, we think of the virtue of temperance, and uh, we all need to practice that. And of course, uh, the words from our Lord are from the cross: "I thirst." And we, of course, we're trying to combat the sin of gluttony. Well, the best way to do that is to practice. The virtue of temperance mm. uh, but also temperance in what we say yeah because um, this this is a self-denial isn't it that's what temperance yeah. is yeah 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 and you know i think there's that temperance in food and drink but mm. i have mm. to curb my tongue mm -hmm. um i love making commentary on lots of things and sometimes mm. it's even going in my head but i have to zip my lip yeah. zip my lip because again that is practicing uh temperance uh, temperance in what I say. So uh, it goes even deeper. So uh, there we go. Uh, we think of the virtue of justice. And um, I always thought, you know, what, who, who, justice, what, mm. you know, but yet, when you think about it, it's giving God his due. Um, yeah. And and a lot of us don't do this. We don't give God his due, um, his rightful position, um, the respect that we need to give our, you know, our church, the sacraments, all of these things. I think, um, again, um, sometimes it, by not saying anything, you know, we render an injustice. We need mm -hmm. to give God mm -hmm. his due and fear God. Again, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but practicing the virtue of justice. And uh, it is so important. It really is. And um, again, it's sometimes a forgotten virtue. But uh, if we remember God, even saying our prayers, grace before meal, we're giving God his due. 
That we're practicing the virtue yeah. of justice, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. And lastly, the virtue of charity. Um, you know, we're talking about the sin of greed. Well, the best way to combat that is to give. Mm-hmm. And so to have this charity, not just in, you know, financial gifts, but the gift of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times we don't give our time. Uh, we, we're too busy on our stuff and our things. Mm-hmm. And yet time is a gift. And so we're to share it. So, um, you know, but again, practicing the virtue of charity, charity in reparation. Or, or love, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes. you know, willing the good of the other. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you can just see here, uh, Sheen is again, uh, touching every area of our life, mm. our prayer life. Um, now, of course, even just the Beatitudes and now, of course, sorrow and victory over vice um, through the practicing of virtue. And so, um you always just say, is this going to stop? I mean, is there another lesson? Is there another um, thing? And of course, in this book, the seven last words of Christ explain, uh, Sheen leaves no stone unturned. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, chronologically, he just kept going year after year, building on these lessons, and people were taking this in. Um, Mm -hmm. The church doubled in size in America in the late 40s, early 50s. And I believe it was because of these lesson plans that Sheen was unfolding um, in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, People were listening. People were pondering these words. And, of course, he was sending out these transcripts to people um, for those who requested them from the radio addresses. And, of course, he was publishing these books, and then people Mm. could read them year after year. And so this lesson plan that he started in 1933 and just continues, you can see how it's having an effect on everyone and how we pray, how we practice our, 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 our I, I guess I want to say practice the virtues, but how we live our life, how we try to become saints. Mm-hmm. And Sheen warns us to say, you know, if we turn away from God and we become selfish, mm-hmm. we pay a price, we pay a price. And of course the war lasted for many years, mm-hmm. you know, all through the, the late thirties, the early forties, World War II was just um, um, wreaking havoc. And of course, people were just worried it was never going to end. And yet year after year, he continued to give these Lenten homilies and tied in the seven last words and gave words of encouragement, especially during the war. And uh, I'll be releasing a book this summer um, called War and Peace, an anthology. And it'll be published by Sophia Institute Press. And it's Sheen's Lenten reflections during the war years to mm, help unpackage why yeah, wow. communism took hold and mm. how we too have to uh, beware that communism will come and take over America and Canada and Australia if we don't um, turn away from our sin and get our heads on right and uh, know what communism is. And so, um, so all of these things. So that will come out this summer. But you could see where Sheen was talking about communism and uh, these issues about evil even in the 30s, in his reflections. And so uh, always warning us because he's that good father who wants us to become saints, who wants us, of course, to know and what evil is and to Mm -hmm. recognize it and to call it out. And so Mm -hmm. uh, he's been doing that so beautifully. And so, um, you know, the last two parts of the book are simply where Sheen talks about the difficult people and how to get along. And then, of course, he talks about the Blessed Virgin Mary and how she's that beautiful example to us. And so, um, you know, people are always looking for advice on 
how to deal with these difficult people. And because I think we have to go out into the mission field and kind of kind of meet these people face to face. And we know we're all called to share our faith. I mean, we're called to go preach the gospel in season and out of season. But when we hit these walls and when we hit these difficult people, sometimes we just run away and give up. But uh, Folden Sheen knew that. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of coaching here. I'm going to help you deal with seven types of people. And I'm going to give you the, um, the Coles notes and the cheat sheets of how to evangelize these people and how to kind of trip them up, okay? And how to get them uh, kind of on the way to conversion. So uh, I'm going, I'm just, I'm ready here. I, because I, 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 you know, I have 30,000 customers and I've been in a lot of houses over the years, fixing pipes. You know, when you do this for, you know, 35 years, you meet a lot of people. And so, uh, and I've met a lot of difficult people in my time. And so um, I, I was all ears when I started to read Fulton Sheen and listen to his talks. And so um, the year that he talked about the difficult people was 1944. Uh, the year was, uh, the war was coming to an end. But, and they saw it coming to an end, but he thought, okay, I'm going to just remind them that if you keep, um, you know, seeing these people, evil hasn't disappeared yet, but you have to combat it. And so we're going to try to convert these seven groups of people with the help of the seven last words. And so now uh, the first group of people that he talks about are the humanist. And, and we, even today we go, yeah, I still mm -hmm. see that type of person. It's all about humanity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's all about humankind. And um, yet Fulton Sheen was saying, remember, um, humanity can't really be civil unless it has, we have a common father. Um, you know, mm -hmm. God is our father. Okay, do you want to recognize that? Mm -hmm. um, and that Jesus is our brother and that we all have to follow into the kingship, under the kingship of Christ. But the humanists want a cross, but not a crucifix. They want the cross as a symbol. Oh, that it's a feel-good sign. And we see it a lot. Oh, I'll put a cross up, but don't mm -hmm. be putting that crucifix up because that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that just makes me feel guilty and reminds yeah. me that sin has a price. So uh, the humanists are always trying to soften up the message, trying to just, um, again, a feel-good Catholicism or a feel-good Christianity. Um, because again, the brotherhood of men but again, we can't be brothers unless we have the same, the common father. And of course, we need the crucifix and not just the cross. So uh, the humanists are always trying to peck, peck away. And so Sheen then reminds us of the first word, Father, forgive them, <laughs> mm -hmm. for they know it. We need to forgive them and understand that um, it's ignorance a lot of times. Because it sounds good and it feels mm -hmm. good but it's not good. Okay. Yeah. And so we need to just have this wake up call, this wake up call. So he deals with the humanist and we see them even in today. Um, then we talk about um, the sinners. Um, those people that think I'm a good person. I'm okay. You know, but deep down, no, 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 no. The, the greatest sin in the world. And Fulton Sheen said this many times is that we deny sin. Yeah. We all kind of say, I'm a good person. I was immaculately conceived, like there's no fault in me, you know, and mm -hmm. if my sin is there, it's, it's, it's social, it's not that bad, it's all yeah. this stuff, and so it's a group called the sinners, and yet uh, Fulton Sheen's saying, okay, the wake-up call for that group is in the good thief, in that he realized that his sin cost him something, yeah. and that he was losing his life, 
and that the only salvation for him was Jesus. And that um, he, of course, he had the wake-up call and the wake-up call was pain. But the wake-up call too was he saw Jesus as savior. He rebuked his fellow thief. Um, he did an act of courage. And then of course, he was sorry for his sin. And he asked Jesus to forgive him and to remember him. And that's the key to snap the sinners out of their funk, mm -hmm. to wake them up is the second word. And that's where you have to kind of say, even the good thief had to go through a cross to get to salvation. You know, we just can't keep going on sinning and think we're going to get a free pass. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. So again, mm -hmm. a beautiful way to wake up that group. Mm -hmm. Now he talks about uh, another group called the selfish and uh, boy, there's a lot of selfish people out there. <laughs> That's a big group. That's a big group. And I, I kind of, I meet more and more selfish people all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and again, I go, where did, where is this coming from? Why, why? Mm -hmm. Well, because again, it's not about God anymore. It's about themselves. Yeah. And yet who, what was Mary all about? Mary was all about Jesus. And so uh, the words, woman, behold your son, and to the apostle, behold your mother, it's this idea of you need to go to Mary to find Jesus. And so if the, the whole idea of selfishness is because you don't care about, like, Jesus who? Uh, his kingdom what? Um, it's not like this, this world is all we have. You know, there isn't a, a life after this. And yet Mary brings back that sensibility to people all the time to say, um, you remember the gift that I gave to the world was I said yes to God yeah. and Jesus was born and came from my womb. And the scriptures say, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Um, it's all about Jesus and not about yourself. And the shepherds came and the wise men came and those men were not selfish they came and gave what they had and uh even the wise men knew that they didn't know everything mm -hmm. and that they just still came to be with the lord and so uh the way the wake-up call for the selfish is of course to give them mary is to give them mary and um that sounds good to me it does it does <laughs> um you know, and I always think, okay, what, what are the other groups? Now, this is my favorite one is mm -hmm. it's the intelligentsia. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the know-it-alls and every year I get older, this group gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> um, the know-it-alls. I mean, I just, like, I, I constantly keep going, oh yeah, that guy thinks he knows it all. And, and again, how many people say, oh, yes, I know everything about the church and I know everything about this and that. But it's all about deflection. It's the sin of pride. They don't want to have the conversation about Jesus because, no, 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 I don't want to go there because it might involve looking into my soul. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd rather just be a know-it-all and say, okay, I'm going to just move on quickly, right? And again, it's that intellectual pride. It's that social pride. Uh, but again, it's this, especially this intellectual pride, the intelligentsia, they've been educated beyond their brain power or whatever. So um, again, the humility that our Lord gives and that he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think it's this idea of, of sometimes what Fulton Sheen said is, this is the hardest group to convert mm -hmm. and almost like don't waste your time on them leave them to God. He'll, he'll deal with them, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the end. So um, mm -hmm. kind of coaching us along to say, don't waste um, 
too much energy on this group, but still we know that our God will take care of them. Um, yeah. But again, those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So mm -hmm. sometimes those are my words too. I'm saying, yeah. my God, my God, like, why do you have all these know-it-alls in my life? But, um, <laughs> again, God came to save the know-it-alls too. So mm. uh, there it's we go. A, it, it's something I've found uh, when sort of reaching out to, um, uh, to various people, uh, to assist me in my own education. And, and the, the ones that I ultimately choose as mentors are the ones that say, well, I'm still learning and uh, I'd love to help you and I'll probably learn something from you too. And, and that is just, that, that is the example that I'm looking for. And that's exactly what you're talking about here. Right. Uh, Fulton Sheen said um, there's mm -hmm. two people that he trusted or two groups of mm -hmm. people he trusted. Uh, those who are old um the elderly they've of course seen the world and and those who have suffered um he really put a lot of uh trust in people who had suffered uh for they know the price of sin the price of pain mm -hmm. and uh, have reflected on it and um know what it's all about so again uh i always say to people if you really want to grow um sometimes seek out these people as mentors the elderly mm -hmm. and those who have suffered and you can take a lot of their advice to the banks. So uh, good words of wisdom from Fulton Sheen there. Um, you know, I think of these other groups and um, there's this group called the Moderns, okay? Mm. And uh, so I think of, oh yeah, I think I know a few of those people too, you know? Yeah, and my, um, my favorite area of study is liturgy. So as you can imagine, I come across these people a lot. So uh, I'm, I'm all ears, Alan, you know, tell me, okay. what, is, what does Fulton Sheen say to me to be able to, <laughs> to, be able to deal well, with this? Well, I, I, think, I think the word modern, there's a word called moderation, um, you know? Well, because again, you think of the words, I thirst, mm -hmm. temperance, moderation, but mm. the, the, those, the moderns are a lot of times like, well, you know, it just, you gotta be hip, you know, like they'll mm -hmm. say, um, mm -hmm. don't, don't decide on that right away. Maybe the church will, will change its mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe the church will change its mind on birth control or marriage or, or something like that. Like, don't commit too early here. Mm -hmm. Like just let's be modern. Let's be cool. Like, um, you know, um, you know, it's like when people that go to church and they just kind of go, well, what's, what's everybody wearing today? And is everybody being nice to each other or whatever? But, you know, they always want to have be hip, but it's like they don't want to commit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they're just, it's almost like too much everything in moderation, but they've lost their zeal. They've lost their, mm -hmm. their real uh, zip, you know, to kind of just say, I, I want to be saved and I want to take the hard route and i know it's going to take suffering but they want this easy the church of nice i uh, like to say right and um, yeah. um that's a term i use all the time the church of nice right mm -hmm. um yes. but everything moderation not too much don't don't go too heavy on this again mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. just see if the church changes her mind like let's, let's don't commit too quickly here okay so <laughs> but yet we know um we have to be committed uh, yeah. if we want to get to moving on our way to heaven. So uh, the moderns, we see that all the time. Now there's this group called the sensationalist. I, I love this, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's the people that say, oh, I need a church that's got, wow, I need mm -hmm. music. I need, I need praying over people and I need people to just levitate and, and all this and drama. And, you know, mm -hmm. if it's not mm -hmm. like, like the guys on TV, I don't want it, you know, mm -hmm. I want sensationalism, right? And, yeah. 
Yet, um, when we look at God, he works in secret. He does things on the quiet. Um, you know, he came into the world unannounced, like quietly, mm. secret, hidden. St. Joseph did everything in secret. Um, you know, all of this stuff, right? Yet this group of people want sensationalism. They want, mm -hmm. they want mm -hmm. the pow, the pop, this. Yep. And if it doesn't have it, I don't want it. I don't want to yeah. be part of that. Uh, being Catholic is too boring. It's boring. Yeah. Mass is boring. Mass is boring. Well, I just told you <laughs> that the seven last words in the mass, like mass should never yeah. be boring after you read Fulton Sheen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Prayer mm -hmm. should never be boring after you read Fulton Sheen. Uh, you'll want to do a holy hour every day after reading Holton Sheen, right? Um, so all these things. So this whole sensationalist crowd, we see them, yet our Lord is saying from the cross, it is finished. Um, you know, complete your work. It's not about the big flash, yeah. um, the big splash. Jesus came quietly, did the Father's business, um, you know, preached, healed. Uh, yes, there was a lot of people that were gobsmacked what he did but mm. still he just went one at a time and um mm. of course he finished his mission and so and, it's not about and, and those first 30 odd years as you say that they were hidden you know we don't hidden. we know nothing about those the really big right. flashy part of his ministry was three years and so right. yeah and this is the way god works you see it in the bible as well you know the big flashy theophanies and all that sort of stuff they're few and far between god is working those ordinary miracles in our lives uh, right. constantly and uh, they don't necessarily come with the big sensational stuff that's right yeah but that group is out there that group yes. is out there and yeah. you see people think well you know i don't want to be catholic because i you know i really don't really want to go to that church every week and there's nothing mm. in it for me i'm not you know like yeah. no okay you're looking for the sensational experience mm. you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it, it is this, if, if you knew what was happening at the mass <laughs> and the angels and the were things and, and <laughs> god coming down from heaven and being present on the altar that's sensational okay mm -hmm. um, yep. but you know again you hear the other side of the story saying oh i just don't get anything out of mass you know so anyway yeah. so that group the sensationalist mm. um so the seventh word from the cross addresses this group called the thinkers. Um, Fulton Sheen talks about these thinkers, you know, um, and we see this all the time. They go, well, you know, I, I just want to think about it. I don't want to, yeah. you know, like yeah. they, they, they kind of the philosophers to say, you know, well, um, yeah, maybe next week. And I want to think about it some more. And, you know, I'm kind of making up my own assessment of this jesus thing this mm -hmm. this thing i don't you know like but they're always thinking and have this attitude yet our lord in the seventh word from the cross is saying father into your hands i commend my spirit i want to take on the mind of christ i want to uh, be become like god you know and of course when we receive the eucharist we become like him and we um again it's this whole idea of having this union with him and uniting everything to him um there's a time to think and there's a time for action mm -hmm. well you know it's the action that we need to do of course yeah. um of course to unite our will to god's will and uh, there is time for thinking but again there's guys that all they want to do is think mm -hmm. and there's these, these people that don't again take that last step to move towards god you know and so um, um so again you can see how fulton sheen took this opportunity um, in 1944, to talk about these seven groups of people who were there at the foot of the cross, 
um, 2000 years ago and are still in society today. Um, mm. And they have their own representatives. And so he reminds us of that. So um, again, it's the book is titled uh, when we republished that book in an individual book, it was um, the seven words to the cross, um, the seven last words in the art of working with difficult people, you know, understanding difficult people. Title. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, so we're good. We're good. All right. Um, again, and I thank everyone who has stayed with us during this presentation. And um, there's so much in it. And of course, I think it's about 10 hours to read the book cover to cover. Mm -hmm. And so if I take an hour, an hour and a half to kind of give you a quick, um, you know, um, you know, uh, summary of it, um, I, I, you'll thank me, of course, because it kind of gets you uh, ready to say you're ready to dive into it and enjoy Absolutely. it. Um, yes. But again, I think Sheen, of course, as he finished well, he finished with Our Lady. Um, and this is what I love. And so in 1945, uh, he wrote a book called The Seven Words of Jesus and Mary. Mm. And he really wanted to say that the two are so connected. And if you want to be connected, you need to, of course, look to Mary's life and follow her example. Um, yes, we want to follow the example of Jesus. And so mm -hmm. we read our Bibles and we know what he did and what he said. But Fulton Sheen is saying, I want you to read your Bible now and look at what Mary did and what mm -hmm. Mary said. And uh, she is, again, not only the mother of Christ, she is also a disciple of Christ. And so she, of course, uh, is in ministry to him to uh, bring about the kingdom of God and to help in every way possible. And so Sheen, of course, um, um, united her to his cross. And so you'll start to see how the seven words that Mary spoke in sacred scripture were also tied into the seven last words. And you'll see how they truly are united, not just in love, but also in the suffering. Um, that Mary suffered. I mean, her heart was mm. pierced. Yes. So again, we look at the seven times that Mary spoke. And of course, Fulton Sheen brings this to our attention. And he says, okay, let's look, let's look at this. And he almost like opens up the Bible in front of us and says, okay, let's try to find the first time that Mary said something. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if we can connect it to our Lord's seven last words. And so he brings us to that moment at the Annunciation where um, Mary is in her room, and of course, the angel appears to her and then addresses her and says, you know, you will conceive a son, um, the savior of the world. Yeah. And of course, the first response she says is, how can this be? Because I know not man. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of look at that. And yet you think of the first word from the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so you see the similarities there. Mm. know not man and know not what they do mm. and so you see this beauty in not knowing the blessed virgin mary is saying to us there is this beauty in not knowing she's saying to the angel i don't know man but yet i still trust in god mm. and yet i think when we look at our lives we're saying god is asking us to forgive our neighbor because he's forgiving us and many people who have struggled with sin say I wish I never had stolen my first dollar. Yeah. I wish I'd never had my first drink. I wish I never met that guy. I wish I never knew him because, you know, my association with him has caused me a world of grief. Yeah. And so there's a beauty in not knowing. And of course, Fulton Sheen talks about how uh, there is an antidote 
uh, to this idea of not knowing sin. And of course, it's the beauty of the confessional, where when you enter the confessional, you come out and your slate has been wiped clean. Um, Jesus uh, does best when he writes on a blank canvas instead of one with all our scribblings on it. And so again, this beauty of not knowing. And of course, you can see the connection there between Mary's first words and our Lord's first word from the cross. And so uh, right away, again, you're saying, I think Sheen is going to connect the dots all seven times here. And so now he continues to go through the Bible and says, okay, let's talk about the second word that Mary said. And of course, he titles this the secret to sanctity. And of course, the second time that Mary spoke, she said to the angel, be it done to me according to thy word. You know, she gave uh, the Lord her yes. And yet we think of our Lord and the words that he spoke to the good thief, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Um, again, it's this idea, the secret to sanctity was the secret that the good thief found in saying yes to Jesus. And the secret to Mary's sanctity was she said yes to Jesus. Um, it's that yes to Jesus that the good thief said and that she said that makes sense. And of course, that's why we hear this day, you'll be with me in paradise. And that day, our Blessed Lady joined our Lord uh, on her way to paradise because he is paradise, he is peace, um, all of these things. But you can see again, the second time she spoke, and the second word from the cross. And so you go, okay, I can see what the third word's going to be, right? Mm -hmm. And um, again, it's called the fellowship of religion. I think Shane, when he gave these reflections, he talks about, um, you know, what, what happens. And um, I think it's this idea that the third word that our blessed Lord spoke from the cross was, you know, woman, behold your son. Mm -hmm. And to the apostle, behold your mother. Yet, the third word that our blessed mother um, said, um, even though it's not written down, would have been those words, shalom. Because what she did was after she said to the angel, be it done to me according to thy word, immediately she packed her bags and she was told to go to her cousin Elizabeth, mm. who was with child. And she went in haste. And so, of course, she was on a missionary visit. She mm. was bringing our blessed Lord to her cousin Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And so it is this fellowship of religion, sharing Jesus with the world. And of course, mm. our Lord uh, uses Mary as the ambassador and says those words, Mary, behold your son, you know, um, be united to your son. Um, your, of course, son, unite yourself to me, um, you know, and, mm. and I always tell the world to unite, you know, it's just this whole thing of unity and fellowship. And again, those words are Lord, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. And of course, she goes to Elizabeth, says Shalom. And what does Elizabeth say? When I heard your greeting, in my ears, the child in me leapt for joy. And, um, you know, I was just so glad. And of course, you just see that fellowship. And again, this beauty of our Blessed Mother's third time she spoke in scripture was to her cousin Elizabeth. And yet the third time our Lord spoke was about relationship. Mm -hmm. And so you can see that connection there so beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, 
the fourth uh, time that our blessed lady spoke, um, Sheen calls it uh, the talk confidence and victory. Um, our blessed Lord on the fourth word from the cross that he said was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, it's that psalm that we've been talking about that begins with despair and ends with victory. Yeah. And when our Blessed Mother heard those words, she was thinking of the battle cry that Jesus was proclaiming yeah. in proclaiming that psalm. And yet she had her own battle cry, and we know it to be the Magnificat. Mm -hmm. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, you know? Yeah. And so Mary has her own battle cry and it's the Magnificat. Mm -hmm. And so that's the fourth word. And Jesus has his battle cry and that he's reciting this Psalm, mm -hmm. which is a battle cry. And so it's this confidence and victory. Both Mary and Jesus have their battle cries and you can see the connection, you know, rejoicing in God, trusting in God and, and all of these things. So it's this, Victory is just around the corner. It's going to happen. So again, holy examples for all of us to, to look at these words of Mary and these words of Jesus. And, um, you know, the fifth word um, that uh, our Lord spoke is, you know, I thirst. And um, yet the fifth time that our Blessed Mother spoke was, um, again, this idea of, um, you know, she's asking Jesus um, you know, they have no wine, they have no wine, you know, and uh, yet, um, you know, we have to kind of look and see, what does that mean? Uh, Jesus mm -hmm. said to her, you know, my hour hasn't come yet. And yet, um, you know, um, we have this idea that religion is a quest, um, and that we're on this mission. And yet Jesus said to her, you realize if I do this, um, this mission begins, um, we're going to be on this quest together uh, to save the world. You were going to become the mother of all humanity. I'm going to be the savior, uh, but we're going to be on this quest together. And um, so with that whole idea of the wedding feast of Cana and what it, it entails. And, um, you know, we talk about, Sheen talks about the hour and he says, you know, um, you know, my hour has not come yet. She's saying, um, you know, do this, work this miracle. And so, of course, we see this in her sixth word from the cross when she pleads with him. And, um, you know, a lot of times the seventh word that Our Lady speaks, the seventh time uh, she speaks in sacred scripture where it's noted is when she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, when we think of the sixth and seventh word, of course, the hours when, you know, Jesus says, okay, I'm, I'm gonna do the miracle. And yet the last word our Lord spoke from the cross when he says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Mm -hmm. And yet Mary is saying to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary is saying, do the will of Jesus. Whatever he tells you, you do. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, do the will of the Father. Whatever he says, you do. Uh, because I'm uniting my will to the Father. And Mary is saying, unite your will to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so they're all connected. They're all connected. Of course, Mary and of course, the Holy Spirit is the spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And you see this whole beautiful unity between God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit and Mary. And it all comes together in these final words. And so, uh, again, you'll see how the seven times that our Blessed Mother spoke 
in sacred scripture lines up beautifully uh, with the seven times our Lord spoke from the cross in the seven last words. And so, um, again, I may have missed one note here, one note there, not got it perfect, but you can see how these nine reflections yeah. that Fulton Sheen gave, I just put them in chronological order in the book and kind of put it into seven different chapters on the seven last words. And so as you go through this book, um, you will have, you'll look at the words, I thirst nine different ways. Mm -hmm. You'll look at the words, Father, forgive them nine different ways. Mm -hmm. You'll look at the words, um, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit, nine different ways. And of course, the seven last words will have great meaning because they've been explained to you now. And that's why the book is just titled The Seven Last Words of Christ Explained. So um, again, my labor of love. And of course, it's available at Perusia Media, uh, yes. available wherever fine books are sold. So um, worldwide distribution, we like to say. Indeed. And again, <laughs> a book that I think every home should have. I mean, because it really is. Again, when I say the power of the cross, and we know that we're to preach Christ and him crucified. Uh, there is something very special in the cross and mm. preaching Christ and him crucified. Um, we're preaching that great love story mm. that God Amen. so loved the world that he came into the world and died for us. Yes. And when we look upon a crucifix, we see that love of him with his arms outstretched. So mm -hmm. um, again, we need the crucifix back in our life. And uh, Fulton Sheen said, you know, put them in your rooms, get them, pull them out of your drawers and get them back into your life and start looking upon the crucifix and meditating. And uh, you will, again, slowly but surely turn away from sin, start to fall in love with the Lord because love is reciprocal. You yeah. see the love he had for you, and then you return that love. Uh -huh. And so you can do it in practicing virtue, uh, practicing, of course, the sacraments, going to mass, saying your prayers, um, all of these things. So mm -hmm. um, it's all there. And Fulton Sheen is that great parish priest that, again, brings Jesus to the people, and hopefully brings the people to Jesus. And so as you're reaching, my prayer is that you come closer to Jesus. So uh, I think I'll end with that note. So yes, uh, amen. So it's the seven last words of Christ explained. It's an anthology of nine of Sheen's books. The School of Sheen podcast has already covered a couple of those books, and we will be touching on them again in the future, won't we, Alan? But let's talk for a moment about next month, because uh, yes. in many ways, we're kind of creating a, a Sheen book club here. And what we want you listeners to do is to, you know, join us, read the book, and then join us as part of the live audience uh, for, for these sessions. And we'll be making sure that uh, we get the, uh, the links out uh, to everyone we possibly can as well. So I believe it is this book here that you want to do next month, uh, Alan. Right. Uh, yes. Missions and the World Crisis. Right. Uh, it's a book that uh, Fulton Sheen penned in 1962. Um, it's a, I want to say, uh, a compilation of reports mm -hmm. from the mission field. Um, wow. Fulton, Fulton Sheen, um, of course, was the head of the Pontifical Mission Society for 18 years. And he uh, took a position in 1950 and served in 1967, 68. And um, of course was responsible for missionaries all over the world, especially uh, different mission projects in Africa, Asia. And of course uh, 
I had to raise money for those mm. missionary endeavors. And of course, his television show helped a great deal to raise um, many millions of dollars to help feed the poor, build hospitals, leprosariums, schools. And uh, many people still remember Fulton Sheen because those schools are still in existence. Those hospitals mm. are still in operation. And so he touched many lives. And yet mm. um, the stories that came back from the missionaries of how difficult it is to preach Christ in Cambodia, to preach Christ in uh, Africa and all over, like um, you're amazed at the work that these missionaries take on of not only bringing relief and feeding the poor and uh, bringing comfort to the sick, but in preaching the gospel. And so Fulton Sheen uh, shares a number of these stories and kind of gives you a glimpse of what's happening in the world. And I think it's very appropriate today because we're starting to see how important it is to see what's happening in uh, Korea, what's mm -hmm. happening in China, what's happening in India, what's happening in South America. Well, like we're all connected. We really are. And, you know, the subtitle of the book is Unless Souls Are Saved, Nothing Is Saved. Because Fulton Sheen took seriously that um, mission from our Lord, you know, go out yeah. and teach all nations and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go out and save some souls uh, in my name. And uh, again, it's missions in the world crisis. We're in a world crisis today. Mm -hmm. And we're in a crisis of faith. Uh, we have been for many years. And so we have a mission to bring souls to Christ. And so it's going to be a collection of stories and philosophies that Sheen, because he wants us to become missionary minded. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one thing that we lack today is that, yeah. are we missionary minded? Do we have any desire to grow the faith, to bring one more soul to Christ? And, you know, I, I share sometimes what I call a mathematical equation um, in that Fulton Sheen says, you know, uh, be of good cheer, because if you ever do the math and we just have a simple uh, challenge that uh, go out and try to bring one soul to Christ every year. Mm -hmm. And he'd say, he'd do the math, he'd say, okay, if Al Smith, after one year, brought one soul to Christ, and that was Matthew Herman Tag, and at the end of the year, there was two of them. Mm -hmm. And if Matthew then went out and Alan went out and they each got another one, then mm -hmm. there would be four. Yes. And if those four went out and got another, another one, there'd be eight, mm -hmm. and then there would be 16, and then there would be 32, mm -hmm. and then there would be 64, and then 128. And you can see what I'm doing here with the math. It's an exponential and equation. It yes. is. Yeah. And he says, you know how many converts to the faith there would be after 30 years, mm. just 30 years? And it was something like 1 billion 371 million 425 like it's it was just a mind-boggling number yeah. of a billion plus mm -hmm. in just 30 years yep. so to think that when i turn 90 there could be there could be another billion um mm -hmm. you know communion <laughs> what are you yeah. gonna say communionists but people yeah. at the communion rail receiving our lord mm -hmm. if we just have the zeal to just bring one soul to christ yeah. um you know, in that whole effect. So uh, that's where Fulton Sheen is saying, we can do the same thing in the mission field, yeah. go out and try to just bring one soul here, one soul there. But it's amazing if you do the math, what can happen. So um, 
and again, uh, let's pray that uh, the math gets done and that we see that many <laughs> souls come to Christ. So uh, it's all good. So looking forward to sharing that book with you next month. And, um, and again, we encourage people to um, put it on your to-do list to pick up the book and start to read it uh, as soon as possible to start uh, just enjoying the conversation uh, because it is a book for our times, even though it was penned in 1962. Um, there's a lot in it that applies to today. So uh, again, thank you for that. So excellent. Right, well, thank you that. very much. And thank you so much for your time today, Alan. Uh, we will, of course, move into our uh, private Q&A session for the live audience now. Um, and if you'd like to join us for live, uh, try and find uh, the link. It'll be on social media. Go to the bishopsheentoday.com website, sign up to Alan's newsletter, go to parousiamedia.com and uh, sign up to our newsletter there and uh, we'll make sure that the, uh, the links get out to you. But uh, that is enough from us today. So farewell and may God bless you all through the intercession of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Thanks for listening to the Perusia podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And for more information about everything Perusia, please visit our website at perusiamedia.com.